Welcome to another episode of Be Now. It's the show where nothing needs to happen because it's already happening. Be happening. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, la, la, la. That's often what you, you often give what you value, but you need to give what they value. What they value, yeah. Mm, of course, that's the empathy. Yeah, that is empathy. Right, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Harry, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. Yeah, so how did you get started with. Uh, so you, were you always into design or? Uh, so I've always been creative. Uh, mm. I had really creative parents. They have very uh, liberal, unstructured upbringing where they really let me do whatever I wanted. Cook, like have a dinner party when you're eight. Paint, you know, ruin your carpet for 10 years in a row, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, they're both quite creative. So I was encouraged to do that, but I always like was uh, thought I'd end up in maths or science. Uh, when I was 18, I thought I'd be going to study economics and philosophy, uh, but I ended up going to China for a year to Shanghai, and I was doing some private chefing. Uh, I was doing some very dreadful singing in a jazz club, you know, generally kind of floating around, and that's where I really fell in love with China. Mm. This place is like so fast and cool. Mm. Um, so then I went back to London to study Chinese and economics for a while, mm. and I thought I'd end up doing kind of just business stuff. I think. When you're at university, you have so little idea of what you're doing. This, everything's mapped out for you for four years, so you don't have to think about it. Um, and then I happened to come back here on an internship for a couple of weeks, and I thought, wow, like Chengdu is so different from anywhere else I've lived in China before. Um, so I was originally going to come back here to launch an app um, for private chefs and run a team of private chefs here who'd be doing kind of cool female team of you know hot Chinese chefs cooking for like... Uh, obviously not Michelin restaurants because there aren't any here but at high levels and I came here and I just realized like this is probably the worst market and business idea I've ever had (laughs) Um, but I had it because I've been after university I've been working in an incubator with this woman who uh, taught me to use some design software and she was like you have a great eye like go for it so I spent a year kind of doing a little dabbling a little bit in uh, design things but I realized like now looking back, that was the most, most valuable year ever. When you work in a small company and you have to learn to do everything, that's when you grow. Like that's when you really develop mm-hmm. your skills. Mm-hmm. When you work those late nights, when you, uh, someone's like, we need this. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Um, so you learn to do it. Like, throw yourself into it. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you know, the internet has everything. You can learn to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming back here, um, especially like starting with Women in Business Network, doing their graphics, or our graphics, I should say, um, and running Chengdu Expat for several years. Uh, you know, with all, both organizations are very small teams, everyone has to do everything, um, and design started to become the part of both of those organizations that I enjoyed the most. Mm-hmm. And I love it, like, uh, especially when you have you know, total free reign to do whatever you want, and you're, which very rarely happens with clients. Mm-hmm. But uh, those are the times where you really like, make a good end result because you can go anywhere um, on any tangent with with how the design goes and yeah and that's I started to realize like that's what I wanted to do Mm. Um, people started asking for stuff like hey I've got a new product can you do the branding can you design me a new bottle can you do this event marketing Um, and it started to become such a big part of my job I either had to leave and, and do my own thing or or probably go somewhere else and get a, a junior role in a design firm mm-hmm. and because it's Chengdu and it's kind of startup city and there's enough creative juice flowing around so mm-hmm. I decided to start up Studio Who gotcha, gotcha. Um, 
yeah, it's been it's been awesome. It's been a really cool experience. So it sounds like uh, like design has it gives you kind of a freedom to to be creative. Yeah, it's in, like, a, in a way that you're giving value to. I other. think everybody's creative. I think design is actually the tools which you use to actualize what you want to do. Mm. Like uh, people who like uh, lots of people say they're not creative, but it's not they're not creative. They're focused on other things and just right. don't know the tools. Like I reckon iPads. Now, since iPads have come like pretty cheap to get the hands on for like young Chinese, uh, like the youth of China, like you see such cool graphics everywhere. Everyone's drawing. Like it suddenly made like drawings able to be so easily on like a poster for an event or mm. on a product or whatever, on a Gongzhong account. Like people have such cool like hand drawn illustrations. Previously, you would have had to learn to use Illustrator, like Adobe right. Illustrator. Right. Which is like the least user-friendly software in the world. <laughs> so, but now everyone's got the tools. People mm. haven't got more creative, but it got easier to create. Speaking of which, uh, in being creative, I know there's a so in a previous podcast with Yen and Steve Jobs has this quote where it says, uh, you know, real artists steal or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And it's kind of it, I think there's some misconceptions about it. I'm not even sure what Steve Jobs' real idea was of it, but what is what is your thought? I think that a designer's job is so design is like when it's very very pared down. It's where form meets function. Like, how do you make the thing you're doing function in the way you want it to, in a beautiful way,、mm-hmm. or in a way that's that's well designed, which means there's no friction in it.、Mm-hmm. So it can be anything from when you're doing product design, you think about、uh, what do you mean by friction. So a bad design has friction.、Mm. Uh, like before, I was talking about my new water jug. I know、mm. my life is very exciting, <laughs>、um, but I just bought it on your arrival in my office to、uh. make sure you have some nice cool water,、um, and it fits perfectly underneath the water dispenser here.、Uh, it's a stupid yeah, thing, yeah, but yeah, it's seamless. Previously, I had been like every day, like spilling water all over the floor, all over myself. <laughs> you know,、uh, the eyes, you know, the lovely eyes here, like mopping it up. Day. Anyway, I just happened to buy this new one today, and it fits under the、Changes、thing, not a drip.、Uh, it's so well designed; like, there's no friction in that design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With、uh, graphics, for example, frictionless graphics would be: Can I look at this?、Um, do I do do I read from this the perceived message you were trying to give me? Is it clear what this thing is? Say tonight we've got an event for Wibs.、Uh, it's an evening cocktail. Uh, event. It's kind of like a big community mixer. Like get to know the community, get to know each other in a very relaxed, non-five-star hotel setting,、mm. which a lot of kind of business mixers are. The the graphics for this should read like that. Do I feel relaxed?、Mm. Is it accessible? Well, Can I find out where it is and when really easily?、Mm-hmm. And when I scan, where does that scan take me? Does it take me to something that's useful?、Mm. I actually think this time I made a mistake with that. And it's that's good design. It's frictionless. It it sends everybody the same message. So I think copying is fine. Everybody gets inspired, right? That's what Pinterest is. Like we're looking at it right now. It's it's full of inspiration. But it's when you take one of those graphics and and use it or change it without thinking about does this form meet function? Am I just taking something because another company is using it for a similar thing and repurposing it? Or am I really thinking about message,、mm. and and is it working? Right. I guess yeah. The way I think about it too is like finding inspiration. Will it be being inspired by other people's works? But ultimately, like, what do you want to say? Where is your voice in this? Yeah. Like, does 
this person's done some. I mean, I guess the challenge is when you you have something you want to say, mm. and then you find somebody who's saying it so well. Mm-hmm. How do you do that without copying them? It's a challenge. And everybody uses inspiration, but it's that's a good designer. That's what a good designer is. Right. So it's, it's convenient and it's easy just to like steal something just because you feel. It, it fits you, it's right? Already there, Sometimes yeah. you're looking. That's why we look for inspiration with branding. We always look at other brands. We always look at other images because sure. they're like designers are amazing. The internet means you can now see like on Behance or Dazine. You're like, oh my god! Like, how did these people ever think of such a cool thing? Like, I want that. Mm-hmm. I want that message that they're sending. Um, so of course you get inspired, but a good designer can. That was made for somebody else for something else. A good designer, right, different context. Yeah, yeah, like a good designer knows that the thing that you need to say, he needs to create using all this information he's gathered or she. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how else do you stay inspired? Uh, I love. I think the the difficulty is I love design across a lot of different areas, like architecture, uh, print, moving pictures, music. They're all things that inspire you, but. You know, in the end, it would be when you're inspired graphically by music, you'll be looking at like old album covers, or when you're looking for inspiration for, say, you're rebranding a restaurant and you're looking, you look at the architecture, right? Like, what is what are other people doing inside the builds of a restaurant? Mm. Um, and then the branding will be, then you can be inspired by other fields of creativity. Um, but I think a lot about being inspired is also looking like is looking at a wide array of pictures. Mm. Like uh, recently I discovered on Taobao there's like so many amazing Chinese produced uh, graphic books. So um, this guy comes to the office with like a barrel full of design books and you probably only open them twice. But they're so cool to have this physical picture in your hand of what mm. other people have done. Mm. You get to, they get to like be in your space. And, right. um, so yeah, that's where it becomes very easy to start copying too. Mm. How important is it for you to uh, to find new shit? <laughs> like just have new experiences. Yeah. Oh, very. Like uh, I, yeah. If you stop seeing new things, then you mm. you keep creating the same thing, probably. Yeah, it's cool. It's easy to get in your comfort zone when as a designer too. Uh, you know it works. You know you use the same fonts over and over again. Mm. Of course you do, because you you know they work. You know they speak the message that you want to send. And uh, of course I'm guilty of that too. Like I've got, you know, five fonts I whack out when I want to do something hand-drawn looking or a bit artisan looking. And it's... uh, I guess like the the role of play, like free play, is so like essential, isn't it? Like it's so easy to... Once you find a formula, you know, if it's designed any kind of work, like... You kind of rely on it because it can be streamlines the process in a way. But like yeah. play is 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 a different beast, isn't it? What is your feeling about play? Uh, in Chengdu, they've got this idea of play a lot. Like as a city, they like you'll see here so many Chengduese people say like, "Oh, we love to play. We love to play mahjong. We love to mm-hmm. drink tea and talk." And like they know how to enjoy outside the workplace. Yeah. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about. Uh, we're working with a company at the moment who make games mm. and so we've been thinking about with their slogans like using the words play uh, or rather than game so we've been like deep diving into this word 
But mm. I think like uh, when you look at things to do for the international community, for example, at the weekends, people are always looking to stuff which is is play, right? It's not uh, it's not food because food and play can go together too. Mm, play with but food. It, play with food, get real messy. Um, but people are looking to like paint. Sip and Paint, for example, is a really cool one. Yeah. Or IPF uh, Trace and Rory's Gallery are doing really cool things at the weekends, like collaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's purposeless. There's no point, and I guess that's play. Play isn't that shouldn't have an end point. I guess. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just for example, I'm working on this children's book now, and and even this podcast, like. There's a, there's a, uh, like, it's always phase one. Like, I love in phase one of any project, you're just giving it a go. Yeah, we call it discovery. Yeah. We call it discovery. It's like, you can go anywhere. Mm, yeah, and you're not trying to get to an end point. You're just exploring, yeah, discovering new uh, ways to sort of express this idea. And what is it that you really want to say? And it doesn't have to be, you know, a conclusion that any point, because yeah, there's always like the story in our head, the brain is like a storytelling machine, right? And it wants the complete story. But if you can sort of defer judgment just for a phase, it kind of opens up possibilities. And I feel like that's like a, yeah, especially free play where you're just sort of in your body, in the moment and present. Sometimes we should find like the best things arrive unintentionally yeah for sure yeah and so how to build that like the, the design thinking that whole uh the spontaneity is sort of built into the whole process right like empathy and also sort of prototyping and just kind of like figuring shit out as empathy is a cool one mm. like that's a lot about i think that's a big part of the process of being a designer it's so easy to find an idea you love and go with it it's often without any empathy to who is receiving what you're doing mm. like we call it the graveyard of good ideas where we send things that probably have no empathy. They go, we love them and we design them, they're beautiful. And then we chuck it, ah, they're not fit for purpose. They don't, uh, a customer or a client or the user can't empathize with them. Mm-hmm. So they've got to be thrown into the garbage. Ah, right, right. Yeah. They're good ideas, but maybe yeah, they're not just, empathic. Is that what you mean? Yeah, they're not empathetic. Mm-hmm. They're not like empathetic, but empathic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you look at that. But uh, yeah, they don't. So I think empathy is important in all jobs, probably. Mm. Like you are, like people who develop tech, they got to be super empathetic. Mm. Mm. What do you think keeps people from being more empathetic? Because yeah, it is like one of my friends. He's like, the world has more or less kind of having like an empathy crisis. Right. In a way, I can I can understand that. What do you think is in the way from people having more? Well, so that's an interesting thing. So mm. when you watch a movie, do you cry? I have, yeah. And. Um, of, and do you think it's because you empathize with them or you're sad or you think it's is it about you or is it about them because that's like that's the difference between empathy hmm. so it's like when you watch something that makes you feel sad or you know recently like when you watch the news for example hmm. uh, it's like a, kind of a it's really difficult to watch in the moment it's really sad like hmm. there's very little joy in the news hmm. um, especially recently yeah, yeah COVID-19 refugee crises war uh, Black Lives Matter, or like when you look at it and you cry or you feel sad, is that empathy? Are you feeling sad because you empathize with these people, or are you feeling sad because you have to now live in this world which sucks? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference. Like, which one of them is it? For me, like uh, I was watching uh, like Dave Chappelle recently. I was watching his. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a big crier in general. I'll just cry spontaneously. I might cry right now. <laughs> yeah, I heard in your. I heard in your. I heard in your last podcast. Yeah. You, uh, I'm also of the crying 
I blame my mother. Oh, yeah. I was having a crying pilot, conversation. Yeah. yeah, she just, she, every time we talk on the phone, we have a big cry. Yeah. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, but yeah, so I was talking about, uh, Dishville was talking about the Black Lives Matter. He's just a story, such a storyteller. He's just talking about just, just the way he tells the story. You really feel like you're, like, you feel the emotion behind the story and why it's happening and how outrageous it is to dehumanize people in the way that is happening now. And yeah, just the de- dehumanization is, is a big source of sadness in the world. Yeah, I guess that's the opposite of empathy. And it, it, it comes up in so many different ways. It's not just Black Lives Matter, but that is a huge thing right now. Yeah. So what were you like as a kid? And, and especially like, yeah, on the, on the topic of play. Naughty. Very, uh, so, like I said before, I had like parents who definitely liked to let us explore things we wanted to do. Uh, you know, my brother always had like a kind of military interest, so he was allowed to. You know, he was never allowed guns, but you know, he organised all the neighbourhood kids into patrols of the neighbourhood and had everybody whipped into shape. And I was more messy, <laughs> uh, which I still am. Uh, you can call it creative; it's useful. Um, messy and quite naughty and uh, I think like happy Mm. like pretty happy child Um, and I was always allowed to you know make a big mess have a big like play with food like I was cooking since I was super young and I still love it I still love like the hospitality aspect of it and the creativity aspect of it but it all comes from being able to just like mess around when you're a kid like Mm -hmm find out how was there a time was there a time when you just made a big mess like one time i remember uh i was playing in the in the living room on the carpet and i just took a big shit on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the carpet bloody hell Aaron. Uh, <laughs> and my dad and my dad just like he picks me up and like you know the cat kind of cups his hand to the side and do it anymore uh and like you know love him when he takes me to the bathroom <laughs> And did you do that just because you were busy? Playing? I was just a kid, you know. No. I was, uh... I mean, it's quite a thing to add into your podcast. Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all have our shit moments. We, we certainly do. But uh, I was suspended from school for making a big mural on walls. Uh, me and a bunch of friends. It wasn't even like, a, it wasn't an act of rebellion. It was an act of just like not thinking about what we were doing. We did a big painting on the wall mm. uh, and the school went absolutely berserk. And... Uh, it's funny now because now people pay me to do murals in their offices for their corporate branding and stuff. So it's a, and I remember at the time my mum, they called my mother up and we all got suspended for a couple of weeks. And they were like, Mrs. Craven, you need to uh, pay £800 to repaint this thing. And she's like, I'm not paying that money. She did nothing wrong. I'll come and repaint it myself. And it's that kind of encouragement to really like mm-hmm. not encouraging vandalism too much just a little bit mm-hmm. but uh yeah that encouragement to like explore go wild and express yourself go wild yeah go wild uh. like rich my partner now he is a very talented architect very talented designer he also had a more laissez-faire upbringing where he was really allowed to make his own decisions learn to make good decisions learn to be creative it's a cool cool way to really encourage like growth i think and i've seen in china now they're really you know, because the focus for so long was on, you know, passing your gaokao and, and like doing something white collar and focusing on academic things that now there's such like burgeoning creative industries to, you know, to make sure your kid is like 
unlocking this part of his brain. Mm. Um, mm. You know, you're not going to chuck him out. He says he's going to be a graphic designer and uh, right, right, right. CFO or whatever. So what's what uh you so in Chengdu you feel like there's a there's a lot of creative energy in the city? Yeah, I do. I I tell this to people all the time because I'm hoping uh, if I say it enough <laughs> that it would definitely come true. That when I look at you know when you look at China and so many of like cool design firms and cool artists, art galleries uh, are like uh, saturated on the east coast, but Chengdu is like where people are creative. I think it will become the creative capital of China. Um, the art here, the music—it's kind of maybe it comes from something to do with being an underdog. Always like kind of sets you free. People here don't tend to be too tech. People move to Shenzhen. Finance people living in Shanghai. There's lawyers and politicians in Beijing, and people didn't think much of Chengdu for a long time. And it's not because you know there's a new kind of prosperity here, but people are the underdog often, and mm. the subculture here is really reflects like like the hip hop music, the the mm. graffiti culture. Mm. There's just lots of cool yeah. people kind of allowed allowed to create here, and mm. I think we'll see like in the next ten years it just go go wild. Keep going. Yeah, and that's exciting. Like it's so cool, even just in the. You know, in the community that we're very well versed with, there's so many people doing really things that maybe they wouldn't have the courage to do elsewhere. Like the creative mm. things they wouldn't know. I wouldn't have done this anywhere else. I wouldn't have started a design firm mm. anywhere else. I don't think like it allows you to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It kind of cultivates you as a person. Like a lot of the things. I mean, even this podcast, man. Like a lot of the things I've been doing, uh, it's just been encouragement from friends. I mean. Encouragement from friends, acknowledging something I'm interested in and liking and good at, and then like I just kind of follow that, you know, because it's not just you. Like courage is also encouragement, you know, from others in a way too. For sure, and like mm. seeing people, people make it happen here. Mm. And I, I guess I don't know what it was when I lived in Shanghai. I was 18. I was really young. And I didn't speak any Chinese. I thought I did, but not realized I didn't at all. Mm. Um, and you know, I was like. It's like gung ho, everything can happen. You feel like you're, you feel like it's kind of a practice run. But in Chengdu, you do feel like, yeah, there's enough people uh, who are making a good go of it. Not that it's easy. Like the government put out a lot of trajectory about how it's you know the most wonderful, easy place to make a living and start a company, especially as a foreigner. And it's so not true. Like it's so far from the truth. Mm. But in terms of like support, and you see a couple of people. Make it work. It gives you the courage to have a go mm -hmm. and learn. Yeah, through fire, through the fire. Yeah. yeah. And if it doesn't work, you learn. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Winner. Winner. Learn. Yeah. <laughs> winner, learn. Yeah. There's, uh, no, there's no losing. What do you feel is like the? Is there a higher purpose that it all? Because it sounds like you do like a mosaic, like a slew of things. Do you feel like for you is there like a like a I don't know? Is there a higher purpose to the things that give you that extra motivation when you need it? I was thinking about this today. I'm really not sure. So, like, one of the Wibbs workshops was on the Enneagram, uh, and it was you read it. We based it on a book. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but I can find out. Um, and it was like you read all of these statements and you decide if you agree or you don't agree with them. And it basically it's just a kind of a personality test. You do it on yourself. There's no definitive answer, but you have two. You get two numbers. One is like your core number. And one is your one of your like wing numbers, I think it's called. Have you done it? I've heard of Enneagram, but I haven't done it. 
So it's like, it's like hot on Instagram. Every, you know, there's like a heap of Instagram pages. I'm a number nine. Like, how does a number nine take their coffee? So this is like everything. It's a tool you can take and leave what you like from it. Uh, Danny Bulgrian did it, the, the fitness trainer here, um, who also runs a lot of cool female communities. And that made me realize, like when you think about how, why you do something, it made me realize something I didn't really like about myself, which was, it's kind of what we talked about the languages of love too. Mm. It was like, as long as like you're making people proud or people are viewing you as doing a good job, then I'm happy to do it. Mm. Um, so I realized my number, I think it's number two, like really relies on like everybody else thinking like, you're doing a like, great job. You've done a great job. Praise, like positive praise. Yeah, like praise. Mm. And you know, it's something also like when we, we talked about the languages of love, which, what is it? So it's, uh, which is another kind of tool to understand how to like, what you need isn't always the thing that your partner or your work colleague needs to see. So five of them are words of affirmation, affirmation. which is kind of praise, mm-hmm. uh, gift giving. Gift giving doesn't have to be physical, but the uh, the idea of getting a gift. Mm-hmm. Services when you do something for somebody. Mm-hmm. What's the other one? Physical touch. Physical touch and quality time. Quality time. So in a similar way, I realised when you're supposed to rank them from one to five. Mm. Um, like what, the thing. Real? I think words of affirmation is really right. high. Okay. But the idea when you're thinking about it is. You need to get your partner, like your romantic partner or your business partner or somebody you want to have an exchange of, you know, kind of a conversation with to rank those in which terms they think are important. And the idea is just to open your mind that you are thinking about what do they want and what do you want. And you don't always need to give the same thing you need to get. Because people tend to give, like, I love giving right. words of praise right. and I love giving gifts. Mm. I love getting them too. Right. I feel like even the most shallow ones those two are. But that's often what you, you often give what you value, but you need to give what they value. What they value, yeah. Mm. That goes back to empathy. Yeah, that is empathy. Right, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, so that combined with the Enneagram, I realized like I, I know that a lot of what, you know, I think it's why a lot of people work, but I'm not like very money orientated. I'm not terrible with money. Uh, so it's not like a, I'm not working to like make money. I don't care. Um, but I am working to... You want enough money to do what you like. Yeah, for sure. Like, everybody, everyone wants to be comfortable. Mm. Um, everyone wants to go to Peter's Tex-Mex and be able to have... Margaritas. Three margaritas, you know. Three margaritas. Uh, I'm kidding. Three is too many. Because their margaritas are strong. <laughs> They're like breasts. One isn't enough. Three, way too many. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, you want it. Everyone wants to be comfortable. Uh, it's not my... It's not like my love language, basically. Mm. But being like, hey, great job. That's... Yeah, it's enough, especially from my parents. You know, like my mum's like, she she can never understand. She never understands not what I'm doing here. She was like, why don't you move back to Shanghai? They have lots of lovely restaurants, and you could have had a nice job in a you know wearing suit to work every day or something. She doesn't get the appeal kind of. Mm-hmm. What do you feel that comes from? Like the 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 satisfaction from getting praised, <laughs> being praised a lot as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, like ah. uh, my mum sometimes says about me and my brother. Oh, I think I might have overdone the confidence pill. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, I grew up in an environment where, like, definitely, and I hope it's how I raise my kids too. That yeah, they know everything they do is great mm. or worthy of note, mm. like noteworthy. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine not having that. And that's why my mum's such a cool mum. 
Mm-hmm. And even when you like fuck up, even if you shit the carpet, if you shit the carpet, <laughs> she'd be like, "God, it's beautiful shape." Beautiful, beautiful. It spreads across. Uh, the- <laughs> beautiful shape. Um, but yeah, I get. I, I'm like fully aware that it's come from like always being childhood. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Like, yeah, I think it's good to like with with if you're given enough confidence, you probably can do anything. Mm. And. Some people have to grow their own if they don't get it from home. Some people, you know, it's a part of the compost package. <laughs> so. mm. uh, all right. Well, this has been a, this has been a joy. I'm wondering uh, if there's any questions you want to ask me or ask the audience. Any, yeah. What are you doing next, Aria? I am actually meeting up with Bass, and he just closed the chapter with Berlin House. He closed Berlin House, so we're going to chat together about yeah his journey uh, with that. Yeah. It feels sad lately. It feels like a lot of kind of, you know, Berlin House was a big kind of meeting point for mm. the community. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of other places, like, I'm super curious what happens now in Chengdu, kind of post-COVID. Uh, half of our friends can't come back. Mm. A yeah. lot of places yeah. will struggle. Yeah. And it's like, we are really interested to see how the city looks in a year. That is an interesting point. Like, that's at the heart of it, is like the transition that a lot of us are going through. And I feel like, like for me, the, the, back to the idea of doing new shit is like, like it's like the perfect time to reinvent ourselves because it's, it's like a transition. Like what worked before is not necessarily going to work in the future. So and back to the discovery stage, like play and like, I don't know, for me, like maybe it's not for everyone, but uh, I mean, the reason I do stand up and like start playing the bass now, like writing children's books, it's all like, like if it's not new, it's not me. I feel that's been my motto recently. What do you think was the old area? The old area, man, there's a lot of versions of old area, um, but it's always, uh, always, uh, I guess, uh, in, more insecure before, yeah. more swayed by other people's judgments before. I think that's mm. youth, right? Like, I also feel like if I look back from five years ago, mm. I'm like, Jesus, why did he care? Why yeah, did he just do it? I can sure. do it. Yeah, and like that, and that voice, you know, it's in a lot of people's brains. You know, it's kind of like so; it can be so baked. You know? That's why you need more confidence pills. <laughs> yeah, it helps, right? Yeah. Especially when you do it when you're around like a close circle of friends who like give you genuine feedback. Even when you're like, like, and I love too when like, uh, like my, my friend Johnny, like he tells me when I'm when I, I have my blind spots when I'm fucking up in some area, yeah. you know. Uh, and I love that too because that's telling me okay, I gotta work on this. Do you take criticism well? I love criticism. Really. Because I know it hurts. <laughs> it does and hurt. Because pain is like, uh, you know, you find your strength in pain. And that's, that's been my evolution, my journey as, as, you know, as me. It's been just like finding the strength in pain. So what is this new version of you like? Is it, and when did it, is there a start point or is it the fluid transition? It's a constant thing. Yeah. You don't think there's been like a one thing where you suddenly realize like, oh, I am not, I am not shy anymore. I, am I mm. can stand up and do this. Like when I was a kid, I was playing hide and go seek. I dart into this room uh, to hide, and I stepped on the sewing needle that was sticking up. Oh, ouch! Yeah, I just stepped on it. I didn't notice it. It was like almost invisible. Oh right? gosh! So I, I, you know, turned over my foot. I took out it was half of a needle, and uh, it bled a little bit. And I just tossed it. Other kids uh, crowded around me, and uh, we just kept playing. But for three months, I was limping around. Uh-huh. And I tried to avoid people's attention because I was really shy and like, you know, I get bullied a lot. So I just 
didn't want any attention. That's my, that's my main priority as a kid. Avoid it. Right. And finally, my grandfather's like, you've been living for three months. Uh, let's go get x-rays. Lo and behold, there's like a needle inside Ooh, the bone. Ouch. Yeah. So there's this pain, you know, inside my foot for like this long time. I was kind of like hiding it, burying it, you know. And so they surgically removed it, had six stitches, and it was a black needle because of the, you know, the chemical reaction. With the it blood. oxidized or something. Oxidizes, that was called. And then so, uh, and then, yeah, that was like, also always a reminder to not bury pain. Wow. And so, like, that's my purpose. I feel like it's always a reminder to, like, to normalize emotions so we can grow through the chaos and, and you know, and live beyond fear. Don't you wish you could go back? then and give you what you have now to, to the young area? It's hard to say because I wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for me then. Like a time machine? Like a time machine. Because, you know, it can't be contrived, it can't be forced. Experience is the best teacher, you know? Yeah. Like we don't learn from people's, uh, even if, you're, if it's your future self, you don't learn from people's like words, you know? For sure. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm just like, talking right now I don't know yeah I think that's my yeah, I feel, but it's always a perspective is like one of my favorite words the P word perspective yeah mm-hmm. if you want to make God laugh tell him your plans yeah that's <laughs> sweet do you believe in God? Um, I agnostic you could say you know, I believe in a higher thing um, yeah and just you know we're just uh, smart you know monkeys were you brought up religious? my grandparents were Muslim and but they didn't force it on their kids and i just i was always you know interested in spiritual things and do you think any of that trickled down like the good like because you know within religions they are they're they're not the rules which stop you from doing things there's also a lot of good Mm, uh cultures do you think any of it trickled down to you and the poetry part of it like uh like rumi hafez is a bunch of uh persian poets who come from the kind of mystic sufist tradition yeah and that always uh, really rang true for me, especially during my depression period, where it was like like reading your soul, like there's like something there that's like speaking to you from the root of your root, you know. Yeah. You, you, you do spittoon now, right? You, you Once in a while, yeah. I love poems too. Hmm. Yeah, it's like where maths meets words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. cool. And even in design, there's like a there's a poetic element in design, right? Like. Poetry is the commitment to the soul. Like when you're working with brand, you're trying to find the soul of this brand, right? Yeah, or you're trying to give it a soul. You're trying give to inject something which is probably some, maybe maybe just comes from one guy's laptop or in a brick and mortar building, trying to inject soul, like some feeling, mm. a message into that thing. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, la, 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 la.